are listening to Loud on the Set with Kyle and James. A level-headed movie critic meets a loudmouth movie cynic. And action! All right, welcome back to the show. My name is Kyle. This is James. And today, James, what are we doing? Wally. Wally. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I love Wally. <laughs> Fuck. I saw Wally so many times. Wait, Kyle. What's that I hear? <gasps> we have a guest. Is it a giggle? <laughs> we have a guest. Is it an excited giggle? Joining us in the studio is Katie. Hi, Katie. Hi, Kyle. Thanks Hi, for James. being Hi, here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. We're chatting about Wally today. Awesome. Now, uh, Katie, mm-hmm. do you like the film Wally? I do. And why do you like it? So many reasons. <laughs> do you think James liked the film Wally? I wonder if James has even seen the film Wally. James? All right. <laughs> Kyle, Katie, it's confession time. I've kind of seen Wally. Yeah? Interesting. Now, you know me. I'm always Explain. Say, I'm always saying how <laughs> the last animated movie I saw was Mulan, right? I like to say that a lot. But if we're going to be honest here, I've seen parts of Wally. Mm-hmm. And, and here's why. Under okay. what circumstances? Here yes. we go. Yeah, everybody, listeners, family, friends of the podcast know that I did the Peace Corps in Ecuador and one evening before I was sent to my actual site during training we were up in the Andes Mountains living with host families and they had a bootleg (laughs) of Wally but it was the worst quality you could possibly imagine and the family was watching it and I sat and watched it with them for a little while and the quality was so bad that eventually I just got up and left the room for huge stretches of time in the movie and I would check back in every once in a while or go get a drink or whatever it was and catch snippets of it. So, bottom line is I've probably seen about 35% of this movie. Interesting. Yeah. That's 35% more than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, this will be a, a fun one to talk about today because, Katie, uh, I've heard tell that you enjoy animated films. <laughs> is do. that true? I absolutely love animated films. And uh, you know James's reputation. I do. He's not a huge <laughs> fan, but yeah. I think he will concede through the uh, podcast that we'll deliver here that there are some uh, really good points that Wally makes. Absolutely. And uh, and some strong political commentary. It was very topical. Yes. Interesting. Indubitably. So, first things first, when did you first see Wally? Um, I think I saw it. It was before college. So, I don't know. What year did it come out? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember, but I think it was when I was in high school, yeah, too. Yeah, I remember seeing it when I was I in think high I was school. Senior. I just It's got to be 2008 or 2009. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. So I remember driving to the theater by myself yeah. to one-please it because nobody was home and none of my <laughs> friends would go with me. So I one-pleased it to go see Wally because I was so jacked for it. Awesome. Yes. So I was pretty excited about it. And what were your overall impressions? I loved it. Yeah? I loved it from like the minute it opened until it ended. And I remember being really excited for it to come out because it played um, Etta James in the trailer. Do you remember that? It was At Last. They would play At Last by Etta James for the trailer. 
and no. it was like in space and ah, oh, I just remember like seeing the trailer. Oh, I do remember it. that. Yes. It was just so beautiful. Yeah, the trailers were good. Pixar mm-hmm. makes good stuff. Mm-hmm. James, you already mentioned to us when you first saw Wally. So, what were your overall impressions of the thirty-five percent that you saw? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember thinking that. I remember thinking that the silent movie idea that it sort of. I guess a, a good chunk of the beginning is yeah. more or less a silent movie. There's yeah. no dialogue. I thought that was an interesting idea. You know, it's creative. It's taking some risks a little bit with some, you know, silent movie. Not bad. <clears throat> I also thought it was interesting that a um, Pixar is Disney, right? Mm-hmm. Is it? Well, it's now Disney. Kind of. I don't remember if it was at the time. Disney bought Pixar, right? Yeah. Well, either way, I thought it was uh, an interesting move that they allowed so much social critique in mm-hmm. a movie in a movie like this that I'm fairly certain it really critiques in a very harsh way consumerism and uh, that coming you know given the source I was like wow what the fuck like they're all about consumers Mickey Mouse Club themselves and but so I think they're I think they're you know to sort of take Loud and the Set in a whole different direction like we've been doing in year three I think they're just at this arrogant point that they could probably put out a movie that's like called fuck Disney at this point (laughs) And they know that their audience would not get the point and not act on it. You know, so they could put out all the, right? They could put out all the anti-consumerist, pro-environmental shit that they want. And they just know, like, doesn't matter. It'll make no difference. McDonald's survived Super Size Me. Smoking companies have survived uh, Thank You For Not Smoking. Everything survives everything, right? So, yeah, the sweatshops that are cranking out all your Wally toys and all your Frozen toys have survived the the hellish message, the apocalyptic wasteland message that was Wally. There you have it. So there you go. The floodgates are open. <laughs> and in fact, I, I I see virtual reality and whatnot. And I see the size of Americans and the obesity rates. And one out one out of three Americans are obese. So clearly, the message of obesity and having to be like carted around in your little anti gravity fat people chairs that they have at the end of this movie that message did not sink in. It did not. And how real is that moment in time that we are in right now? Where literally I have a virtual reality race car <laughs> yeah. in my room and I can go race virtually and then what? Go outside and do the exact same thing for real? We're just living in that era right now. The CEO of by and large mm-hmm. is the mm. president of the United States. Oh, good God. Interesting. <laughs> I also had written down here that I thought that was very clever. It's like triple entendre, the title of that. Yes. By and large. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. Of, oh, it's very clever. Um, I have a question, though, for our panel here. And that is because I've only seen like 35% of the movie. But I am familiar with the, the space station kind of existence that mm-hmm. human beings are in. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this movie ends. Ah, oh, well, that oh. leads no us. Idea. I, can, I have no fucking clue. That leads us to the first part of the retro view, which is, uh, Katie, if yeah. you would please provide us with your interpretation of a plot summary to Wally. <laughs> Start to finish, okay. please. So, the movie opens, and uh, the Earth has been completely covered in garbage. Like, every single surface is trash. And mountains of trash. Mountains and mountains and mountains. There's <laughs> nothing of the actual Earth left. And there's one lone robot that is still running. And, Solar-powered. Uh, yep. 
Everyone else is either broken down or um, not on the earth. <laughs> and little Lolly is still doing his job and he's a little compactor. So he is making his way around compacting garbage and then he goes back to his little house and he watches like old silent movies and listens to music and is the cutest, most expressive robot you've ever seen. He's got these sad little eyes because he just wants like you can see he just wants something. Right? I'll stick More with Johnny Five garbage. from Short Circuit. <laughs> <laughs> Which by the way, Wally looks like a little clone of Johnny Five. <laughs> anyway. Um and so that's just his life. He's doing that every day, just compacting. And then one day this gorgeous robot lands on the earth this huge spaceship lands and this beautiful like sleek white robot the she's um, to his yeah PC. exactly um and he's like <laughs> windows 95 or something he has the old, windows 95 old, boot, old, up, yeah. boot up also. and she is yeah modern day <laughs> um and she's scanning for life and etc and he's totally infatuated with this other robot and uh, then she discovers a tiny tiny little seedling and she goes into like this prison mode where she like has this little plant inside <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it and she's on lockdown mm -hmm. and Wally is in so much shock because he's losing his friend because she's like totally locked down and then she goes into the spaceship so Wally grabs onto the spaceship and then they get propelled through space to the last like bastion of humanity which is this by and large um kind of space center it's like a giant cruise ship mm-hmm Mm -hmm. And so what's important is the fact that Eve found something that was alive on Earth, which nobody thought there was anything left. But every once in a while, they would send out these scouts. So she was a little scout. And then you get into um, Wally, like, exploring the spaceship and exploring, yeah, all of those different topics of um, the corporation. And then Eve deposits her little plant and then the captain is like holy shit that's a plant we can go back to earth and then the computer turns evil and it's a whole thing yeah yeah so what the, computer so there's so a, the computer that runs the space oh, station much like hal yeah in 2001 the computer senses that the plant is there yeah. and executes an emergency override that the captain is not able to take care of because he thinks well the plant that means things can grow on earth we can go home right yeah. and the computer goes we will not go home and there's like a secret directive it's that's sent out by the ceo of by and large who's now the president of the united states who says sorry earth's too far gone we're giving it up enjoy your super cruise out into the great depths of space <laughs> and have fun but Wally and company uh, want to change He that. grabs a few robots, mm -hmm. and they have their tiny little robot army, and eventually <laughs> they win, and they go back to Earth, but Wally loses his memory, and it's so sad, and then Eve gives him a little kiss, a little robot-like relationship connection, and then he comes back, and it's Wally again, and he remembers everything, and the movie is the cutest ending. She jump starts in like a car, it's a little electric the spark best. goes between them, yep. and he... He reboots. And he's back. But it's really cool. He grabs his gang of misfit robots yep. that are like unfit. They're like the old models of things, just like he is. And they gang up and they get the plant into the thing that it needs to go into, mm -hmm. which will redirect the ship back to Earth. And then the movie ends with all those giant dumpy humans coming <laughs> coming out onto the surface like, whoa, they can't even walk Well, because and shit. they've been living in anti-gravity, so they have right. no muscles. And they show you a little video of all their bones, like, shrinking and everything. Mm -hmm. It's really funny. Um, but anyway, they get back there. 
there's some soil and their plan is to plant the uh, seedling and then they run you which is really clever they run you through the credit sequence and show you in various stages of oh, yeah. artistic development throughout human society starting with cave paintings and ending with like a uh, digital computer animation at all different various points of artistic uh, revolution they show you the steps that the agriculture is taking and they're like re uh, I guess seeding of the earth at that point and that's how it ends mm-hmm. wow. that's Wally so what do you think of that <laughs> <laughs> now you have a hundred percent of the plot Oh, <laughs> they save the day. That's how it ends. It is the best. I loved it from tip to stern. Yeah, I thought it was great, and the silent movie stuff was really good. And harking back to so many classic films that they reference a lot of the mm-hmm. um, a couple of Woody the Allen music. films, and uh, and the music's great. And uh, I just thought it was so well put together. Interesting. Did you have a favorite part or least favorite part, James? Uh, that you can even remember through the grain? Uh, before we let Katie tell us about all her favorite parts. Nah, Katie, go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> I think. What was your favorite part? The part. It's it's sad, but it's the beginning when he is watching the TV and he's watching the like humans dancing and loving and everything, and he has his little robot hands, and he like tries to hold his own hand and then later he tries to hold Eve's hand and she has this um, surfboard of an arm like there is no hand <laughs> and he just tries to hold her hand and when she's like in lockdown mode uh-huh. I think that's the cutest yeah uh, the, just like the like little relationship that is just the most precious and I don't think it's a mistake obviously it's not a mistake that her name is Eve but I think it's um that that's cute too. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, and the the whole time they're making a really uh, interesting commentary about the whole trash situation because Wally drives around mm-hmm. and he finds little trinkets everywhere, yeah, like broken light bulbs or things that he thinks are cool, and he takes them back to his trailer and he has like this whole revolving thing of all like the cool little prizes that he's found and that's that he cute. he treasures that people have just thrown away to the wasteland. <laughs> Interesting. James, this is the exact type of messaging that you like. I will also say, I watched this movie for a class in college. So if that gives you any more credibility for the movie. <laughs> I think it eats away at the credibility of your uh, <laughs> institute of Fair. lower learning. She was a visiting professor. <laughs> we'll see that. But it, we know. did watch it for a class that I took called Writing in the Environment. Because my minor was environmental policy uh-huh. in college. And so we did watch it for a class and we did a critique of the film and also like of Disney as a corporation. Interesting. Interesting. And the environment. What was your least favorite part of the movie? That's a hard question. (laughs) (laughs) Because you love everything. It's true. (laughs) Um, I think my least favorite part was when Wally lost his memory and Eve was trying to get her Wally back. And it's not least favorite because I don't think it should have been in the movie, but least favorite because I cried and I was just so sad. (laughs) But it ended well. So, like, it was a necessary sadness. But... It just broke my heart. It was extremely sad. I cried if we reprise our Crybabies episode. I don't think you said that during the Crybabies episode. We can talk about it. Yeah. Choke up another one. What were your favorite and least favorite parts, Kyle? My favorite part is 
Let's see. Probably when they first get onto the spaceship. Well, no. <laughs> it's probably the beginning because he has a little top cockroach oh, friend so that he cute. runs around with. Because of course, the cockroaches yeah. are the only thing that made it through about the that. devastation, and it's wonderful. Um, and uh, <laughs> highlighting that basically humans made the planet uninhabitable with their own selfish self-selecting of that uh but that some life was you know always going to be able to inherit and uh adapted for that type of environment so i thought that was interesting um but it's also fun uh just for the again the social and political commentary when they first get on the ship because they run you through and you start to Mm -hmm. see like the whole like cruise liner that they're on and everybody floating around on their little chairs with their screens like right up in front of their face talking to somebody who's floating right next to them but only speaking to them and looking at them oh, in yeah. the screens that are in front of There's their that face whole side story of the guy and the the, the man and the woman that yeah. never actually like see each other face to face at the very end of the movie mm-hmm. for the first time yeah so that's interesting and there's one really funny line where they're like try red it's the new oh, yeah. blue. And everybody goes, ooh. And then they hit a button on their chair and, like, their suit turns, like, red or whatever oh, from man. being blue. Yeah. And it's just, like, it's all the consumers of everything in a nutshell. Yeah. And it's just brilliantly put together. Yeah. I don't think I have a least favorite part of the movie. I thought it was great. All right, have a, I have a trivia question for you. Yes. You ready? Because <clears throat> I'm contributing so little to this fucking <laughs> podcast. What does WALL-E stand for? Waste Allocation Load Lifter Earth Class. There it is. Oh my god. Yeah, very good, Kyle. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> it says here, it says here um, that the time between, I guess, abandonment of Earth and the events of the movie, how many years? What do you think? Oh, Ooh. Alright, you feel that one. Thank you. I'm just doing this right off the internet. Take probably. a guess. I have no idea. Okay, wait, from the time they abandon it to the time that we get there with and the movie starts? Yeah. It can't be that long. 500 years. Really? That's my guess. It said here 700. Wow! I didn't think it was that much. That's a lot of garbage. Yeah. Yeah, because Wally... That is one hearty little fucking seedling. Yeah, (laughs) oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. He plants it in a boot. It's adorable. Oh my Um, god, yeah. They carry the boot around with them. Um, That's really interesting as well because... Wally has spent that whole time every day, you know, wow. cleaning up, cleaning oh, up Earth's garbage. So they've like invented the, this thing to leave there to clean up all the garbage. But he makes them into little cubes, yeah. and you see just compacting. this cityscape as you're coming in in this like haze of fog and disgustingness. So and then when you start to get closer, you realize it's all the cubes that he has, and he stacked them up into like these epic like towers, like yeah. skyscrapers. 700 years. And that is really phenomenal animation because that was a while ago. And that was, I think, when Finding Nemo came out, right? Great And point. it was, that was, I think, the beginning of the more realistic animation because you end up with, with that, like, beginning scene in WALL-E and with, like, the backgrounds in Finding Nemo where they started to get really, really detailed. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's a great point. And it was a great example of, um their development with especially the non-human level of detail so mm-hmm. taking like all the robots and things like it became like photorealistic at yeah. points when you were looking at 
some of the wasteland that was like left behind because they got so good at modeling yeah. all of the different non-human things. Humans, they're still struggling with. <laughs> the Uncanny Valley stuff. Have yeah, you heard about yeah, that? Yeah, I heard about that. That's the what? Uncanny Valley. It's when something is like too realistic. There's a there's a really fine line. Right, humans where, specifically. Where if it gets too realistic, there's something that like deeply on a like molecular level disturbs us. So, so there's a fine yeah. line you want to tiptoe around. It's a phenomenon where, yeah, basically when they render something so detailed that is humanoid, we are, like, repulsed by it mm -hmm. instead of, like, associating with it. Have you ever noticed it in any movies that you've watched? I can think of an example of one where What's I was example? like, whoa, the Polar Express. Oh, oh I did you see loved that, that book. So weird looking and, and when I saw the trailer, yeah, it made it. me so upset because it's such a good book. It is a good book. It's great. I've never seen it, but what a yeah. The woof. that was the that was like the beginning of the time when people yeah. were like whoa, and then Disney started to back model from that, and they would strategically like with every film they have the capabilities to make things look way more realistic, mm -hmm. but they choose to put doofy oversized eyes and like the you're talking about the disneyfication of like Groot and things like that because the closer anything gets to being like a real humanoid face in like a tree or something gets like exponentially more creepy as they get better at it as opposed to actually but stylizing it a phenomenal amount of detail i don't know i'm i'm <laughs> I, I do know that you haven't seen Brave, because why would you have seen Brave? Um, have you seen Brave, Kyle? <laughs> I have, yes. Okay, so in Brave, she has this mane of red hair, red curly hair, and I remember reading some trivia that it was, like, several different animators' jobs to do her hair, because it's that detailed yeah. of the curl. So the amount of work that goes into it is crazy cool. Well, I have yeah. a modern example. Yeah. Well, yeah, a, a bit more recent than the uh, Polar Express mm -hmm. one. And that's Tarkin in the Star Wars movie. Yeah. Oh, that was How completely disturbing that horrifying. was. Horrifying. Everybody thought, oh, they're going to do it artsy. It's just going to be his reflection on that yep. black glass. And the minute yep. he turned around, it was, ugh. You yeah. Know? And Leia at and the end. And same thing with Leia at the end, right? You're like, It's a perfect example. God. Yeah. yeah. And both of those were so unnecessary. Yep. All right. Yeah. It says here that Wally anyway. takes place in the year uh, <laughs> 2805. All right. Wow. So we've got another 700 years to go. If all those people had been living in in in, uh, in that uh, giant cruise ship and under zero gravity, and they were that tube fed or whatever the fuck they were, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they there's get, no way they'd they be able to stand slushies. up. Yeah. They're like every it's perfect. You would you would just if if I wish we had the clip where uh, like it just shows that beginning part because it's everything about automation like we've been talking about distilled down into like. The most uh, like simplistic. It's just what we're working towards, you know, trying to make everything easier for everybody. And then at some point, it becomes like non-human anymore. So all their food and drink and everything is combined together into like a one of those fucking big ass, big gulp, slurpee, double yeah. gulp slurpee <laughs> cups, and they just suck it down out of their yeah. big fat straw. <laughs> oh. Jesus Christ! Yeah pretty grody have you watched a movie where you've noticed the that weirdness besides rogue one where you've seen that kind of uh creepiness no but it, it not creepiness but i remember when uh because people in my family like animated movies and it drives me up the fucking walls <laughs> and uh when my I family think I like your family <laughs> back in new york they got uh, a kyle it makes your tv look like a fucking uh flip phone screen <laughs> they, they got a tv that's so massive and uh, they would put on some of these movies. I think it was like uh, 
I don't know, The Nut Job or Ice Age, one of those stupid fucking movies, right? <laughs> and I remember looking at the screen and going, oh my God, the detail on this animated movie is better than my vision in real life, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so that's been sort of my like talking point about having these massive flat screen TVs and all this CGI, especially animated movies, that they're making things crisper and clearer than my own vision. Like right now, if I'm looking straight ahead at Kyle, right? Mm-hmm. Kyle's in my field of focus and everything within like, let's say, uh, I don't know, 75 degree arc of my view to about 110 or whatever it is that we have our peripheral vision, right? Is more or less like fuzzy, right? Yeah. But when you're watching an animated movie on a massive screen like that in your house, everything and every corner of the screen is like perfect looking. Yeah. I think they're starting to compensate for that now though because I would look at like Mm -hmm. a bear. I'm not even fucking kidding. A bear. Like every single hair on that bear's body is always in perfect rendered shape. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be like yeah. that. No. That's what I mean about this this chick's hair. Like, well, and and they made it so realistic. That's why they hired so many animators. Was they wanted it to be so realistic when she like moved her hair? Because you can cheap out on it easily now like, too yeah. with what they with what they have available. Uh, but I think that's one of the things that makes Wally so great mm-hmm. is because since most it's of it, especially enough. during the the beginning part, was inanimate objects and like man-made things like they're all like machines and things it it looked pristine and also wasn't like disturbing so the first half of that movie i was like holy shit and they did some really good um examples of where you're talking about with uh like the focus in the screen so there's a couple of shots where he thought he's running along or anything and they do like a big focus pull so what's mm-hmm. in the foreground and what's in the background get completely like juxtaposed instantly and then you notice that like on the edges of the frame and everything that it's all kind of blurred out Mm -hmm. um it's very easy to miss the mark on that Mm -hmm. too and they didn't do the creepy too realistic things at all with the humans no yeah no they look very cartoonish yeah yeah which was i think yeah definitely a good call absolutely because it was more about the the idea than the of the movie than the the actual who was your favorite robot that was not Wally or Eve in the movie? Oh, I don't know. There was one, um... I know mine. <laughs> the T-1000. I don't remember, I don't remember their, yeah, what to call them all. Okay, I'll tell you what mine was. There was the one that was the, uh... It was like the makeup robot, but it was like malfunctioning. So it had like these two like makeup pads that it could use, but it turned into just like an obliterator. So it, <laughs> it's like arms were going crazy and the little pads became like just destruction machines. Yeah. So it would like fly around and there would be like guard robots around and it would just go berserk and like beat the shit out yeah, of them. Yeah, when they were breaking out. Yes. Because Wally, just to give you some background, James, uh-huh. um, <laughs> Eve is deemed unfit for service when she brings back the little seedling. So she goes to like the robot repair and Wally is the little knight in shining armor um, that goes to try and rescue her and in the process like unleashes all of these other malfunctioning robots. And then it's this hilarious crusade to go actually turn the ship around and help the, the captain. It's another, so it's in a, in a way, the movie has that moment very similar to like Rogue One or very similar to a lot of action movies where you piece together your heroic team mm-hmm. and each one has a little like nuance, a, a little wacky thing about yes. it. Right? Like, I'm the one that can't control my body and I'm the stupid. <laughs> oh my God. Sounds great. <laughs> Wally's the little robot with a big heart. Yeah. All right. Well. So, thought question for you both, and okay. James, I'll ask you to think critically about this. All right. If there is no way to stop the 
Hollywood machine, the Disney machine of pumping out children's movies, mm-hmm. is it a good thing that they are putting this sort of commentary at a higher level in terms of social and political issues into the films that we're watching or that the children are watching? And if so, why? Well, of course it's good. So everybody's going to watch a Disney movie. Like, it's it's not ever going to die. Disney is huge. It's everywhere. It has such a history. And it will continue. It'll change, maybe. Um, and it maybe won't make as many movies, or the movies that it makes won't be quite as big, necessarily, as some of the ones in the beginning. Like, Cinderella will always be a classic, etc., etc., etc. But in the last several years, everything they've been putting out has had more and more um, nuanced messaging and um, more variation. So you've got things like Wally, which are talking more about the environmental and consumer side of things. And then you can go to things like Frozen, which, you know, of course was absolutely massive. Everyone loved it. Um, all the kids, right, went insane about Elsa. Um, <laughs> but, and from like a yeah, technical standpoint, the movie was beautiful. And actually, just on a personal note, it's one of the first times that Disney, maybe the first movie, where Disney had the speaking actors and the voice actors for the songs were the same, which is why it went so flawlessly from speaking to singing in the movie. You had like Adina Menzel actually as the voice and as the the singer, whereas in early Disney movies, they were different actors that would do that. Anyway, fun fact. Um, But that had a whole message at the end where the love between the family, right, of the sisters is what saves her. It's not the love of this boy, right? And Moana, where you've got a young girl, right, saving her people and going on an adventure. And there's no romance in that movie at all. And Brave, where the whole idea is it's a girl and her mom, right? And at the end, she says, I'm not going to marry any of these fools. Like, they're not good enough for me. So I think we've seen in the last several years um, more of those alternative messages. And sure, maybe they are catering because they know that that is in or whatever quote unquote that's fashionable right um to have that kind of messaging versus the like traditional romance prince and princess but is that a bad thing is that bad for that to be trendy i don't think so i think it's it's good and that's my two cents i agree very good and wally was the first animated film that i watched where i was like holy shit it's like is everybody else picking up on this shit they must be right how did this get like how did this happen i don't understand i was very confused because i started to notice that james all right i'm gonna disagree with you (gasps) surprise surprise and here's what a shocker um when it comes to those social themes you were just saying about let's say oh it's not about a princess and a prince it's about the love and care between two sisters or it's about a mother-daughter relationship or it's a a prince-less princess I am not well. I'm not ready and willing to give Disney uh, a high five or any sort of pat on the back for that shit because they're simply undoing the shitty work that they put out there in the first place. <laughs> they're the ones chiefly responsible for the shitty messages in the first place. So they're just—it's like Malcolm X said: you don't stab a man in the back six inches and pull a knife out three and call it progress. You have to take the knife fully out, <laughs> heal the wound, and then start reparations. So just continuing to make money on the fact that society is correcting course is exploitative in my opinion what would you have wait let me keep going do uh close up shop entirely <laughs> apologize oh and redistribute God. the wealth yeah 
Yeah, welcome to, welcome to Live to Sit. Year three. <laughs> totally shut down. They're, everything about them, they shut down the theme parks. They have toy manufacturing, everything. All right, so one, they're undoing their own shitty work. Two, these are lessons that a clear-thinking, educated society should be teaching itself easily. We should have dashed the ideas of monarchies, royalty, princesses, princes, generations ago. Generations ago. So no, I don't give credit when Disney finally, finally decides to make a movie that doesn't have love at first sight bullshit themes in it. It took... This should have been dashed decades ago. And now here we are in the 21st century and they still kind of have it in there. So nope, I don't give them credit for that either. <laughs> there are plenty of people, there are plenty of groups and there are plenty of advocates and, a and activists doing way more radical, way more progressive work than the tippy-toe bullshit baby steps that corporations like Disney take only when it's safe and only when it's palatable to the masses. It takes true bravery, bravery to put yourself out on a limb like let's say a Colin Kaepernick and do things that are unpopular. They're just doing things that are popular. It's popular to be for the planet and it is popular to not have a boy-girl relationship in your movie. Like this, they're, they're actually behind the curve. Like they're not ahead of anything. They're fucking way behind. They're still Neanderthals as far as I'm concerned because it's all still profit driven. It's not driven by a means to do good. It's not driven by societal needs. It's certainly not driven by a need to communicate and educate the people. It's all driven by, I. it's all so carefully designed and marketed to make money. It's all calculated. Truly brave progressive people don't do that shit. They don't make sure years ahead of time that their message that they're about to put out with a Polynesian princess is ready for the masses and still gonna make us a lot of money through vacations and bookings. It's all so controlled and you're just falling right into their traps. So I totally disagree. I don't like when a corporation has to hold your hand through any sort of progressive shit, find it yourself and attack it aggressively. There you go. So I carefully crafted the question. Uh oh. Because. Did I miss the walk? No, it's okay. <laughs> because the one thing that I wanted to make the point of was or rather what I was trying to get you to to answer the question is whether you would like to see if the movies have to exist anyway oh. and they're out there what sort of messaging would you want to see in them if they have to be there anyway if a kids movie has to be out there it has to be animated that's my point Disney is never going to stop being Disney and of course it's a corporation of course they're going to be profit driven so they're going to do things like that and maybe they're not going to be crazy radical but that's why you've got things like Kubo and the Two Strings that's why you've got smaller companies smaller groups making those kinds of animated movies and we've seen that that grow because then you can end up with something like Miyazaki films where Hayao Miyazaki in all of his films they were all based around a heroine and there was no guy or very little guy involved at all so and that became huge over time so you just have to give it time I think and so if you can't blow up the whole organization what kind of messaging would you want to see in the movies personally yourselves to the children go ahead go, you go first I did a lot of talking just now well I love what they've been doing lately where they've been focusing less on the romantic relationship and more on um, families or adventures or personal like self-discovery and um, the the more multicultural they've been getting has been um, I think really cool and you saw in Moana for example uh, the entire cast was 
people of color, all of the voice actors. Um, and I think that's amazing. Like, you know, of course, yeah, like, should they have done it a long time ago? Of course. But the fact that we're doing it now, I think, is the important thing. Um, and so I would love to see more multicultural stories being told, um, because historically there has been such a bent towards, like, Western Europe. Um, and so I would love that trend to continue and the decreasing focus on romantic relationships, more on personal relationships, like to yourself and to friends. And um, of course, if you throw in some environmental stuff, I will not complain. James, God forbid your future, <laughs> no, your future uh, children, if they are to exist, uh -huh. end up watching an animated movie somewhere. <laughs> They're out of the house. What do you want to see in the animated movie? Right, I, I, have to, I have to operate under those you assumptions, right? You have to right? operate under right. the assumptions that that is continuing. Here we go. I want the movie. The messages I want to see in the movies, yes. if the assumptions that they will exist. Yes. Yeah, operating under that assumption <laughs> is a, a lot more atheism, anti-consumerist, critical thinking, and peace. Booyah. Anti-authoritarian fight the power, that kind of stuff. Oh, that's what they are. Yeah? Yeah. Are they really? Yeah. Moana, fight the power. She goes against her her entire family. She's supposed to be the chief. Fight the power. She rebels. She I mean, goes. sort of like fight the state. <laughs> you know, like a stateless society I mean. kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, when you turn off the video, you, you break it in half. And you mail it back to the corporation, <laughs> <laughs> and you denounce their existence. Mm. All right, that's Wally, huh? That's Wally. <laughs> there it is. I think Yay. the important thing is what you take away from the film, and what we should probably take away from Wally is, don't trash the planet. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Be I'll nice take, to the planet. I'll take that. I guess. <laughs> I haven't seen the whole movie, so I would. There you I, go. I guess that's a message. Katie, thank you so much for being on and standing up to James. <laughs> it takes the barrage to stand in the room. You know where I learned that courage? Make, I don't to know. stand up for what I believe in? <gasps> Disney movies. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> You're welcome. See the movie. Book the vacation. <laughs> oh, my God. And no, that, thank you, Katie. Thank you for you. <laughs> It was supposed to be a Wally, and we went way off course. So. I think that's it was always Wally... destined to go off course with Wally because yeah. that's where yeah. the shit started to rain down. Mm -hmm. That's why I wanted to talk about it. Interesting. So thanks for talking about it. Thanks, thanks Kyle. for having me. Oh, thank you, James. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, listeners. <laughs> Loud on the set with Kyle and James. And today, Katie, you can check us out on YouTube and iTunes, anywhere you find podcasts. We are there. Loud on the set at gmail.com. Let us know what you'd want to see in your children's movies if they have to exist. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see how it goes. Uh, go watch some great movies and have a wonderful time. See you later. And cut.